About every time that I lead us in the Lord's Prayer, I recall the first time I read the, led us in the Lord's Prayer here. Mike, do you remember that? That's good. No one probably has remembered that, but I'm going to remind everybody what happened. I started it with the wrong words. Like, how do you do that? Like, how many times have we prayed that prayer? Have I prayed that prayer? I said, oh, Father, I think was what I said, and I heard crickets. And I was like, I don't think that was accurate. So after I finished and I sat back down, it was in my first couple of weeks here, I thought to myself, well, it was a good appointment for a couple of weeks. Um, They may ask me to leave after that, but y'all kept me for some reason, and I am so grateful for that. so grateful that I get to be a part of Concord. I'm going to ask you to do something that may feel uncomfortable. I know you're excited about that. But what I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to share, and I am so sorry, you're like on an island. I don't know how to help you. And um, for those online, you can type this in the comment section. I want you to share with someone near you what one of your favorite traditions about, I'm going to use the language, the holiday or Christmas season is just take 30 seconds and just share with someone. And if you're one of those folks that's like, oh, I don't know. It was what just came to your mind. It's the first thing. It's okay. There's no right, wrong, good, or bad. You're not being graded. What is one of your favorite traditions of the Christmas season? All right. Good job. All right, start wrapping it up. This is like your 10-second cue. Sorry, Mike, I should have come over there. We all have those things that we look forward to about the holidays. There are those things that we just know is going to happen those things that we look forward to. And we do it with even the church. Like, I love the Advent wreath. And one of the reasons I love the Advent wreath is because I remember being an aqualite. And that being one of my responsibilities. The thing about the church I grew up in, the Advent wreath hung from the ceiling. Is there feedback? Do I need to... We're good? Okay. Okay hung from the ceiling, and the HVAC vent went straight on it. So it kind of rotated with going on and off. So lighting it was always this adventure, particularly the more candles that occurred. But it was one of those things that I remember and that I love about Advent. In the Christmas season, we have those things that we depend on, that we look forward to about Advent and Christmas. 
within our own traditions, within our homes, within the church. Like, if you don't think that you, like, if you want to disrupt something, change one of those traditions. Yeah, you've done it. Or maybe you've thought about it and you knew better. And that's one of the things that happened with 2020, with COVID. It shifted all these things that we thought we could depend on and we, we, we longed for them. The likely. Those things that we can depend on. But this Advent, we are going to focus on the unlikely. Because truly the story of God coming to be with us through Jesus Christ is incredibly unlikely. But for many of us, we spend our life with Advent and Christmas and the manger and Christmas Eve and the candlelight and the communion. Like that is what we expect. It isn't unexpected. It's likely. And yet, the story of our God is an unlikely story. And there are characters within the story that we are more used to seeing, Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And we talk about the wise men and the shepherds and the angels. And yet, there are times that we don't talk as much about some of the people that make up this very unlikely story. And that is our focus in the weeks ahead, the unlikely. And I really, really encourage you as we walk through these upcoming weeks to do something different this Advent season. Keep the traditions, keep the things that you love, that you depend on, that you long for. Yet do something unlikely. Maybe for you, the unlikely piece is that you read our Bible reading plan that goes along with what, um, what we talk about here weekly. Maybe that's what is unlikely for you. Maybe unlikely is we're actually reading a book, small groups are reading, some of our small groups are reading a book called An Unlikely Advent. Maybe you pick up one of those books at the information center on Sundays, or you can get it at the check-in table on Wednesday nights. Maybe you read that book with us. Maybe you join a group that you are not a part of. We have both online option and both options also that meet in person. And as we walk through each week and we look at the unlikeliness of the story, may you live or do something that is unlikely. As I thought about our text for today, where we meet two unlikely people, you may or may not have heard of them but they are Zachariah and Elizabeth. They had this dream like most people, many people have, not only within our culture, but in the culture in which they lived. They had a dream, a hope for a child, but it didn't happen. That wasn't part of their story. And I was reminded of a poem that I was introduced to 
back in undergraduate, my major in undergraduate is actually history, secondary education, and I took a class on desegregation. That was the focus of the class, was the history of desegregation. And I was introduced to a poet, Langston Hughes, from the Harlem Renaissance. He wrote a poem that's called Harlem, but this is what the poem says. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load or does it explode? What happens to a dream deferred? For Hughes, he was pinning this poem in the depths of those who do not get their rights. Of how there were dreams that were deferred beyond what folks could do. And I don't want to take away from the significance of his writing and the context in which it was written. And yet, I think about how each and every one of us have dreams that have been deferred. Where life maybe hasn't gone exactly as we thought it would go. That we had these hopes and dreams. What dreams have been deferred for you? And how do you find unlikely hope in the midst of that which seems lost? That is where we find ourselves today in our story about Zachariah and Elizabeth. For many of us, we skip Luke 1. I, okay, I'll just confess there's a day and time I would skip Luke 1. I go to Luke 2 because this is what Luke 2, how Luke 2 starts. In those days, Caesar Augustus issues a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. Those are like comfort food for us. They are the words that we look for when we think of the babe in the manger, our Savior born on Christmas morn. And yet, there's this whole chapter before Luke 2. It obviously is Luke 1. What we see is the author of Luke starts by telling us what the purpose of this book is going to be, of why he is writing it. He then introduces us to Zechariah and Elizabeth. They are from a lineage in the priestly tradition and of Aaron's lineage tracing it all the way back to Moses. The author of Luke wants us to know that this that we are getting ready to learn about in the New Testament is very much connected to the Old, to the Old Testament. We see that Zechariah and Elizabeth are righteous. They are faithful. They are blameless. That doesn't mean that they aren't without sin. But they follow the decrees of their Jewish tradition, 
They are faithful, yet they are also old. And Elizabeth is without child. This isn't the first time in Scripture where we see this. We see this in the Old Testament, a woman being barren. In Luke 1, 8 through 10, we see Zachariah show up for his priestly duty. And he, he's doing his deal. He's working as he is supposed to be doing. And then he gets chosen by lots for this, unu- this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, most likely, to enter the temple and burn incense. He will enter into the temple and all the worshipers will wait for him to come out. And this is what happens to him while he's there. Then an angel of the Lord, wait, before I do this, I want to, I know we've got the wording on the screen and that's great. But if you feel led, close your eyes or look at the ground And I want you to listen to the Word of God and think about how the Word of God was passed for generations by word of mouth. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had had a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace amongst the people. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're righteous, they're faithful. They live their lives following the commands and the decrees of the Jewish tradition as they were supposed to do. They are living their lives as you and I do, even in the midst of our dreams 
that are deferred. Even in the midst of those times when we sit around and we go, I don't understand, God. Why? Why not? And yet, they were faithful in the midst of it. You see, unlikely hope is found in the faithfulness of the routine. Zachariah showed up to his job daily doing what he was called to do. We see their faithfulness as it is shared that they kept the commands of God. What about you and me? How are we living faithfully in the midst of the routine? Not just checking the boxes. I went to church today. Please come to church. But is it just another thing that we do or do we do it out of a faithfulness to our God? Gabriel says your prayers have been heard. They've obviously been praying. What about you and what about me? How are we living out our lives in a way that is faithful to our God? They weren't doing this because they thought they were going to get something in the end. They had given up hope. They had moved on. They were old. She was barren. And yet they remained faithful in the midst of their routine. What about you and what about me? Is something that will be unlikely for us during this Advent season is that we take stock of how we are living faithfully in the midst of our dreams that have been deferred. But what we see in Zechariah is his humanity like you and I have. We see fear and doubt that seem to be close by. When Gabriel appears, what is said is, do not be afraid. It says that, that Zachariah was fearful. What are you afraid of today? What is it that is causing fear in your life? Those things that we talk about and those things we never mention. Sometimes we're afraid to mention it because it may mean that we're not being faithful. What is the fear that keeps you up at night or wakes you up in the middle of the night or that you wrestle with? What we see in Scripture is this isn't the first time that the words, do not be afraid, have been spoken. And what is said by Gabriel is that they are in the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. You and I are in the presence of the Lord. Now, Zechariah has some doubt when he's told that his wife is going to bear a child. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Just, it's unlikely. And he asked a question that I think you and I probably ask of our God, is how can I be sure of this? I need some reassurance of how this is really going to happen. What is it that you doubt right now? How is it that you are living in doubt and that you want to be reassured? Doubt and fear are usually close by for us as well. As we wonder, how 
why? What is this going to look like? And yet, what we see in the story of Elizabeth and Zachariah is the significance of the child by which Elizabeth will bear. This scripture comes right before Mary is told that she will bear Jesus that she will become pregnant with Jesus. This story is of significance because the, the baby that, that Elizabeth will give birth to is John the Baptist. And what we know based on scripture is he goes to prepare the way for Jesus. One of my favorite Advent books talks, describes Jesus, it describes John the Baptist as the spotlight. He spotlights, he gives light to Jesus. It's never about John, it is about Jesus, and he is showing folks to Jesus. The story of Zechariah and Elizabeth is a story of unlikely hope. Not only that they become pregnant, but that their baby will spotlight Jesus. Romans 8.24 says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes in what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait patiently for it. Hope is about what is to come. That's what Advent is about. It's about preparing and waiting for the birth of Christ, but not just the birth of Christ, but for the second coming of Christ. We are a people who are still waiting. We know our Savior is real. We know God came to be with us, and we believe he will come again. That is our unlikely hope. Last week, I became aware of the story that is available on WIVK's social media feeds. I was watching as Joey and Nancy talked about this young man, this 12-year-old named Preston. He goes by P-Man. Preston wrote 136 note cards to troops serving. It's something that WIVK is doing. He wrote, he's 12 years old, and he wrote 136 cards to troops who are serving. He is a stage four cancer patient, has been for about five years now. That means at about seven years of age. Almost half of his life, he's experienced as a cancer patient. And he wrote 136 cards. He said he wanted to support others. They also talked to him and he shared about how he has written 200 cards for those serving in Roan County Jail both men and women, he said, they interviewed him, and he said, some people don't have people to write to them. On the day in which they interviewed him, Preston was headed home. Not because everything's fixed, but because the doctors don't think there's much else that they can do for P-Man. 
He said in the interview, when you have pains in your life, if you give to others, you will feel better. When asked why he gives so much to other people, he said, because God tells us to. God tells me to. And all I could think as I watched this video was about unlikely hope. Because there's nothing in the story that based on our earthly understanding makes us hopeful. But yet for Preston, for P-Man, his hope is in his God. That one day he will rest in the arms of Jesus. And he gets it. It's an unlikely hope. Where is the unlikely hope in our lives? How do we see God at work in the midst of dreams that are deferred? How do we see the unlikely hope that is our God? Don't miss it. Don't miss it this Advent season and the days that will follow it. This isn't just another Christmas. It's just a not another God. This is our God, the God that came to be with us through Jesus Christ, who loves us no matter what, and who provides unlikely hope in the midst of our realities. May we be faithful in the midst of our fear and doubt, and may we see the unlikely hope of our God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, we thank you. We thank you for folks like Preston who remind us of your unlikely hope. May we go from this place and enter into our daily lives seeking the unlikely hope that comes only from you. We confess we are fearful and we have doubts and we hear you say, when we question, how can we be sure of this, that there is evidence upon evidence of your grace and love. We declare that truth today, and we seek to live it out one day at a time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.